Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. My name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, I have the honor and the privilege of leading this Bible study. And uh, for those of you who have been with us, know that we've been studying the book of Ephesians, and we finally completed that book. And so we've decided now to pivot to another book, and that's the book of Philemon. And we're doing that because that is another epistle that was written by Paul while he was imprisoned at Rome. And so there's a theme there. We've been covering these, uh, uh, I guess, the epistles of Paul from prison, or the prison epistles, if you will. Um, before we get started on the actual book itself, I thought I'd just thank uh, Jason and uh, Mark. These are two of our deacons who help us every week put on this podcast. We're very thankful for their sacrifice and what they've done. I'm thankful for my brother Bob and the work that we've done together. We've done this for a long time. It's been great to study the Word of God together and learn from each other and, and really appreciate that joint effort. And very confident that uh, much good is being done. I know he has heard comments. I've heard comments from people uh, who have either texted or written or emailed or, or sometime in person tell us how much they appreciate the study. And sometimes they'll even point out particular points that have resonated with them. And so that uh, makes you feel good because it shows they're really paying attention and things are staying with them. And so we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we want to encourage you, get the word out. I have more people uh, tune into this podcast. It's accessible to everybody. It's readily available. It's really not that long, so we're not asking for too much of your time, and it's a very valuable use of your time. Anytime you sit at the feet of God, uh, you're going to be benefited by that. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, we're studying the book of Philemon today. It is one of the prison epistles written while Paul is a prisoner. You know, we, we started this study with Philippians. We did. And right. the reason we picked Philippians, it was when the COVID situation yeah, first yeah. began, and we wanted to pick a book that was short enough so right. that we could complete it. Right. By the time the COVID restrictions were, right. you know, were were suspended. Yep. Well, little did we know at the time <laughs> that it was going to be, you know, a couple of years. Right. And so right. here we are fin- finishing this this study of these four books. It's absolutely Ephesians and Colossians, Colossians and Philippians yeah. and, and Philemon. Amen. And so Philemon's a, just a short book. But uh, I think it'll be one that'll be interesting to people. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive in. So just to kind of give an outline of what we're talking about here, we have a Philemon who is a brother in Christ. Uh, he's a brother in Christ, obviously, of some means. Uh, he owned a slave, a, a bond servant, if you will, and that's Onesimus. And Onesimus evidently left uh, from uh, the uh, Philemon and, and went to Paul and uh, ministered to Paul. And during that period of time, obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul uh, sends him back to Philemon. And yet, because this fundamental change in the relationship, there's going to have to be a difference in treatment. And Paul makes that clear and also makes it clear that he could. He could invoke his apostolic authority to command Philemon to do what is appropriate when it comes to receiving Onesimus back. But it's interesting, and we'll talk a little bit about this, that Paul refuses to invoke that apostolic authority. And instead, he appeals for love's sake to this brother and his better nature, that, that this, he has confidence his brother will do what is right. right. Because, and we'll see, this brother has a great reputation. He's done a lot of good for the saints. He's described as being refreshing to the hearts of the saints. And his faith is well known. His love is well known. So this is not somebody who's a novice in the faith and doesn't have a track record. And Paul appeals to that, saying, look, I know all the good that you've done in the past. I know that you love the Lord. I know you love the brethren. And I think in light of that, in, in light of the new status of Onesimus, that you're going to treat him the way that you would want him to be treated, and he ought to be treated, even so much as the way you would receive me, 
which is kind of amazing. And I know, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this, that maybe some see this as controversial because they would rather Paul uh, just openly denounce slavery or openly denounce the relationship or basically invoke his apostolic authority to tell Philemon what to do. But I think there's something to be gained here by watching how Paul very skillfully, but very lovingly, persuades Philemon to do what is right. And in the end, Philemon's going to grow from that process in a way that he wouldn't grow if he simply was told, do this, and this is how to do it. Right. There's some connections between Philemon and Colossians, mm-hmm. between the mm-hmm. two books. Some of the same people are mentioned right. in right. each book. In fact, Colossians 4, verse 7 mm-hmm. says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, <clears throat> our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the mm-hmm. Lord, will bring you information. We talked about that right, in connection with Ephesians. That's right. Very similar passage. Mm-hmm. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, Mm -hmm. our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, Mm -hmm. they will inform you about the whole situation here. So apparently, Onesimus and Philemon are associated with a church in Colossae. That's right. right. And Philemon has left, Mm -hmm. has left Colossae and has left Philemon, Mm -hmm. made his way to Rome, Mm -hmm. found Paul, Mm -hmm. and now... As you said a moment ago, Paul is addressing the situation. Absolutely. Now, we don't know why why Onesimus left. It, that right, that doesn't, doesn't come say. out. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some reading, and, and uh, the author was saying that it, it, at this time period, a slave might be dissatisfied with his circumstances and leave and find a friend of his master mm-hmm. and go through that friend mm-hmm. to appeal to the master to improve his circumstances. Interesting. interesting. And I thought that was interesting, yeah. too, that... Yeah very much like what we find here in in the book of Philemon. That's so right. that's well that's I mean, a possible explanation. Another one that Paul even offers himself is verse fifteen of Philemon. He says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now, Paul doesn't say definitively, but he says perhaps right. he departed for this very reason, that he may obey the gospel, and that now when he comes back, he's in a much different state. You have a different relationship. He's a brother in Christ. And so perhaps, I kind of remind you about um, uh, uh, Esther, and, right. and perhaps God chose you for such a time as this. He doesn't say definitively, but he said it could be that the reason why he departed was for him to obey the gospel and be able to come back as a brother in Christ. I think that's, I think that's an interesting observation. Mm-hmm. The most Paul could say as he looks at this situation, the most he could say is perhaps. Right, right, right. You know, perhaps, and the way I'll read that is, Perhaps God is at work here, right, right. and God has led him to me right. in order that you know we might work on this situation, and, and he right. might. But the most he could say is perhaps. perhaps. That's right. And today, people are, are very quick to say, yeah. well, God did this for right, me, or I right. know God did that for right, me, right. or I know God led me in this way. Right. And uh, <clears throat> really, here's someone, the Apostle Paul, as insightful and perceptive as he right. was, and as and as in tune with God and God's will as he was, right. the most he could say was perhaps. Amen. And Amen. so we need to be a little guarded about yeah. about those kinds of things. You know? Absolutely. And we don't want to go too far in, in those kind of claims. And that's a great point because we may be just convinced and if we look back in our life, we see the hand of God. And we're not saying that God doesn't work in the affairs of men. He clearly does. But we also have to respect that God works in mysterious ways. And, and there are things that God has revealed and there are things that God has not revealed. I like Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things are revealed, belong to us and our children, that we may do all the words of this law. And so God's telling there's certain things that have not been revealed. 
and how God, and in this particular place, Paul is saying, God hasn't revealed exactly why he left. He's saying it's possible that this is what God had in mind. And so I like the, the humility in the face of God when it comes to that. Um, let's, let's look a little bit at some of the, the verses uh, as we make our way. It's very short. I think we can get through this. Uh, Start in verse 1. Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Now listen to this. This is pretty impressive. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become affected by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I, I want to focus just for a little bit on just the description of Philemon because it's not just any man, but, but he is a friend. He is a fellow laborer. He's a person that they've heard about his love. They've heard about his faith, uh, not just towards the Lord Jesus, but towards all the saints. He's described as one who refreshed the hearts of the saints. This is an outstanding brother in Christ. This is a person who's made a lot of done a lot of good in the name of Christ. And I think we need to remember that because, you know, I guess the temptation is to view this as this terrible story, this cruel taskmaster who has this slave and the slave runs away and he's trying to get him back. That's really not the picture that we're seeing from what Paul is saying. Paul is saying I always think about you. Of course, we, we know that Paul said that in several of his epistles, that he's, and we made the point how long prayer, uh, Paul's prayer list must have been because he's making mention of this man, Philemon, uh, in his prayers. But I just like the fact that he talks about his love and his faith and what he's done for the brethren and every good thing which is in him in Christ Jesus. Uh, I do think you have to concede this is an outstanding brother in Christ that he's addressing. And, and Paul is highlighting his relationship with his brethren. Right. Now he's going to ask, he's going to make a request to Philemon. That's right, that's right. Concerning one of his brethren. That's now, right. You know, Onesimus is a brother. That's right. And so he's he's highlighting the good things and good attitude and good works that he's done Absolutely. toward his brethren. So he's laying a foundation Absolutely. for the request he's going to make. Right. And so... <laughs> These things are true. Right. You know, right, I'm not right, saying right, they're right, not true. These right. things are absolutely true. Right. But he's saying is, you know, the relationship that you have with your brethren and the good that you show to your brethren, mm -hmm. now here's a here's a new brother. Absolutely. And you need to have that same attitude and right. show that same kindness yep. toward him. It's just a natural extension of what he's been doing already. And isn't it interesting that Paul said that they can have great joy and consolation in the love that he has displayed, not only towards Christ, but as you say, towards his fellow brethren in, in the Lord. Let's keep reading here as our time is getting away from us. Verse 8, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. And I'm going to stop right there because I, I love, we talked about this earlier, the approach that Paul takes to this. You know, Paul makes it clear, look, I have the authority to command you to do what is fitting. In other words, to do what is right in this situation with respect to Onesimus coming back. And he says, I'm Paul the aged. I'm an older man. I'm experienced in the, in the gospel. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm so zealous for the Lord that I've been imprisoned for my faith, but I'm, I'm doing that. And I, but I'm going to appeal to you 
not from the standpoint of an apostle telling you what to do, but for love's sake. And, and, and if you appeal to somebody, you're really asking them to do something. You're not commanding, you're not demanding, but you're asking them to do something. He says again, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you than again, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. And, and notice this, he says, I've begotten while in my chains. My understanding is that, is that he has, during the course of his time in prison, Onesimus has obeyed the gospel through the efforts of Paul. Right. And so, you know, he often does that when he talks about Timothy and Titus, uh, people that, especially Titus, son in the faith, people he considers to be a son. In this particular case, it says, whom I've begotten while in my chains. So we know that was during the period of time. And, and I think it's interesting, he has this play on words. He said, who once was unprofitable to you. Why? Because he was a slave who ran away. So a slave is not profitable to a master if he's gone. But he says, you know what? Now he's profitable not only to you, but to me as well. Why? Because he's become a Christian, and now he's coming back to you in a different state than he left. He's not just a slave. He's a brother in Christ. He's been exalted by Christ, and that is something that benefits not only me, but also you as well. Well, I like the way Paul, and you, you brought this out, that, that Paul has the authority yeah, yeah. to pretty much boss him around, <laughs> tell him what to do. You know, I have the authority. I'm going to right. pass some authority to do that. Right, right. But I'm not going to use that authority. Right. I'm going to appeal to you. Well, that's the very thing he's asking of Philemon, isn't it? That's right. You that's have right. the authority yeah. as master yeah. Yeah. That's right. to act a certain way towards yeah. your slave. Yeah. But I'm asking you not to do that. Right, right. And so you can that's see, you know, you can see that he's, he's asking Philemon uh, to, to behave in the same way Paul is acting toward Philemon. Absolutely, absolutely. And he says, I, you know, I send him back, and he, he tells him, you know, you got to receive him in a certain way. Receive him uh, as my own heart. And, and Paul says, you know, I'll be honest with you, I would rather Onesimus stay with me. He's been a great benefit to me. He's been a great profit to me. He's been encouraging to me. He's ministered to me while I've been in prison. And so really, I would love to just say, you know what? I'm going to invoke my apostolic authority to tell you, let him go. He's going to serve me. But he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not going to do that because you. this is your slave, and I don't want to do this without your consent. I want you to do with him uh, what is appropriate. So, you know, Paul certainly would be happy if Philemon turns around and says, you know what, under the circumstances, yeah, I think you need to go back and help Paul. But he said, I want you to make that decision as a voluntary decision. Look at the rest of verse 14. But without your consent, I want to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. And that's a very important point, not only here, but also throughout the scriptures, that God wants us to do what is right, not because we're forced to do it, not because we're demanded to do it, but because we want to do it, that we're voluntary. We choose to exercise our will in a way that's in harmony with God's will. God could do that. I mean, let's take it outside of this. God could force us to do what is right. But he doesn't. Why? He wants us to voluntarily come to him and serve him of our own volition, of our own free will, of our own choice, our own decision. Right. It's interesting how in this in this book, how the gospel gospel has changed the characters in the book. Yes, yes. Think about how much the gospel has changed Paul. Yeah. He's a persecutor of the church. Right. He's very zealous. He's uh, you know, just just driven uh, to uh, persecute the church and stamp it out. The gospel has changed Onesimus yes, as well. Absolutely. And so he was a slave, he was right. useless, but right. now he's a brother, and things are different now. That's right. That's now right. He's, he's asking Philemon to change as well, I think. Absolutely. You, know, you need to respond toward this person, mm -hmm. not, not just as a slave, right, but right. as a brother. Absolutely. And so think about the way the gospel changes people. It's changed Amen. Paul, it's changed Onesimus. Hopefully, it'll, it'll have an effect on Philemon and, and, 
should change us as well. Amen. Let's pick up. We're about to run out of time. We're going to read verses 15 through 20. For perhaps he departed for a while, talking about Onesimus, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say, but meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I should be granted to you. We see a continuous appeal to love and the change condition of Onesimus, that he's now a brother. And he even trades on Philemon's relationship to Paul when he says in verse 17, if then you count me as a partner, if we're fellow laborers, if we're fellow workers in the Lord, then I want you to receive Onesimus the same way you would me. Now think about that. Here he is, a slave is coming back to his master. But Paul is saying, I want you to treat him not just as a slave. You treat him the way you would treat me. Well, you can just imagine how Paul would be treated. Mm -hmm. They've got this great relationship. He has this great respect for Paul. He has this great love. And he's saying, that's the same way you ought to treat Onesimus. You're talking about fundamentally revolutionizing the relationship between slave and right. slave master. That's not going to look like anything else that that's the right. world had seen at that point in time. And because they're going to be treating at some level as equals. Yeah, there is that disparity in power in terms of the secular law. But in terms of how he's going to treat him, he's going to treat him as if he's a brother in Christ. Uh, Paul says if, if he's wronged anything, if he's taken anything, if, he, if, if his running away has cost you anything, what's Paul say? Put that on my account. I'll take care of that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> That's right. But what I want you to do, and he does remind him, he said, now look, you kind of owe me some things too. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't make me go down that road yet. But, yeah. but I want, again, you to do things not because you feel guilty, not because you feel like you owe me this big debt, but really do it for the right reason because you love this man. He is a brother in Christ. And, and he is just like these other saints that you've been refreshing the hearts of. In fact, he says, if you were to do this the way that I want you to do it, you'll refresh my heart. Look at uh, verse 20. He says, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. And I'm thinking about, if you go back to verse 7, he says, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. He says, look, you've refreshed all these other brethren. Refresh my heart the way you've refreshed theirs. And the way you do that is you treat this brother right. the way you would have treated me. And then verse 21, he says, having confidence in your obedience. Yeah, that's right. I, I know you're going to do the right thing. <laughs> and so he makes yeah. it hard for him to say oh, no, absolutely. doesn't he? Absolutely. But he does it in a skillful way, he in does. a tactful way. He does. He doesn't bring the hammer down on him. Absolutely. But he's persuasive in his appeal. Absolutely. One of the points I get, we're, I'm sure we're about to wrap up here, but one of the, I think one of the things Philemon teaches us is that we ought to see other Christians as Christians That's first. right. Amen. And everything else is secondary. That's right. And yeah. so when we see another Christian, what right. we ought to see is a Christian. Yep. And these these things like uh, economic level or education level or wh whatever it might be that the world places a great deal of emphasis on. Right. Um, th those are secondary. Right. And we just ought to see people as Christians. And Amen. If, if we see each other as Christians, we see each other as equals. And, you know, and I think you and I have talked about this before, and, and this is only hypothetical speaking. We're not saying we know this, but you made this point that back in Colossae, if you were to fast forward from this period of time, it could be, it could be that later Onesimus marries and develops in the Lord, becomes mature, and could be selected as an elder in right. a congregation where Philemon would be a member of that flock. Right. Even though Philemon is his master, that in the church he would be subject to Onesimus as one of the elders in that right. congregation. We're just saying that could happen. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that's that's a very real possibility, right. isn't it? And right. so 
the relationship in Christ takes precedence over everything else. Absolutely. And so in their work life, they might have this relationship. And, but but in, in Christ, um, you know, Christ, Christ is Lord and he governs every relationship. And we need to remember that because as we interact with brethren or even people who come into our assembly, they're visiting, we don't make these distinctions. And we don't say, well, if you're of this strata and you make this kind of money, then we're going to give you respect and honor and dignity. But if you don't have a lot of education or you're not making a lot of money or you're not in a skilled white-collar profession, then we're going to ignore you. No, what we're taught here is that we're all equal. We're all brethren. Right. That, those right. things that we do, we don't define ourselves by our secular work. Right. We define ourselves as children of God and therefore brothers of one another. Right. So verse 20, as he's, as he's wrapping up, he says, yes, brother, yeah. let me benefit from you. So he makes that appeal to him. That's right. You can't believe that's just coincidentally chosen. Amen. You know? Amen. Although Paul might be in the habit of calling people and referring to him as brothers. Right, right. Still, the words are carefully chosen, aren't they? Amen. Yes, brother. Exactly. You know, I know that you're going to do the right thing. So. Amen. And Great and book and wonderful. very short, but wonderful. really powerful. Absolutely. So we'll wrap it up. Uh, verses 23 and 24. Uh, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And those are names we've heard before, Luke and Mark and, and Demas. You know, Demas, unfortunately, 2 Timothy 4.10, later forsakes the Lord. But at this point in time, he's a faithful laborer. But as you said, a wonderful book. And it just emphasizes the power of the gospel to fundamentally transform relationships. And we've said this several times. If you have the gospel in the society, uh, it's going to upend everything. So people get mad because maybe Jesus didn't come and immediately start to overthrow the system of government or overthrow slavery and things of that nature. But think about this. Slowly but surely, that relationship has been converted to something like an employer-employee relationship, which we have today. We have bosses, we have supervisors, we have obligations to them, and we don't think that we're less than because we're subject to the authority of a supervisor or manager. It's just the way things are. But we ask that they treat us in a way that's fair, and we ask that we ourselves treat them in a way that's fair in terms of what we give them. So, again, a great book. Uh, there's many more things we could say, but our time is out. Uh, we want to do, as we always do, and end the podcast with a word of prayer. Bob, can I ask you to leave sure. that? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to study from your word. We're thankful for the uh, wisdom it gives us, for the insight it gives us. We're thankful that it makes us better people, that it makes us your people. <clears throat> Father, we pray that it will have this impact on us, that it will reshape our lives and reshape our hearts. Help us, Father, to see one another as you see, as you see them, to see them as Christians, uh, if they are Christians first, and without regard to any other thing. Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with us as we study, help us to grow in our understanding and knowledge. <coughs> and help us, Father, to be the kind of people you'd have us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.